Okay, Shalom Aleichem, we're back at it. So we're going to start off with a short Gemara. So Gemara on Gimel Amad Beis starts as follows on the top line. Minyana de Seifa lemiute mai. The meaning of the Seifa, the fact that the Mishnah says, V'kainas asma b'shtei drachim, the same way that Aisha Niknas b'shalosh drachim, the three, was very important, it was coming to exclude another means of acquisition. So so too, the Minyana de Seifa, V'kainas asma b'shtei drachim, is coming to exclude a different form of Kenyan. So what is that form of Kenyan that it's coming to exclude? So says the Gemara, the Miyute Chalitza. It's coming to exclude Chalitza. Salkadai I would have thought, I would have thought Chalitza might work as a means of ending a marriage due to a Kavachemer, Yavama. We could drive a Kavachemer from the case of Yavama. Now what would the Kavachemer been? The same way that a Yavama, a, per, a lady who's standing for love right marriage, doesn't go free with a get, with a divorce document, but she is disconnected from the Yavam through the process of Chalitza. So a lady who is able to get divorced through a get, meaning by her the get even works, all the more so that Chalitza should work for her to be absolved from this marriage. So, if, meaning to say, we see that there's a certain strength to Chalitza. Chalitza can work in a situation where Get can't. So in a situation where Get could work in marriage, so all the more so Chalitza should work to dissolve the marriage. Kamash Malon, Kamash Malon, the minion of the Seifa of two, tells me that only Get and Misa Sabal work in order to absolve the marriage. But Chalitza doesn't. Veima Chanami, why is that true? Really, the Kavu Chomer should apply. Amakra, the Torah came and told us about Pasuk, Sefer Krisus, that it says that we need a document of separation. Sefer Korsa, specifically, this document is going to create the separation. Vein Dava Acher Korsa, but nothing else can create the separation. And therefore, we specifically need, again, in order for this to work, in order for the marriage to come to an end. Now, one might ask that we could say this kol in the direct opposite way. We could say, man nesua she'ena yodzis b'chalitza, yodzis beget. So, yavama she'yodzis b'chalitza, e'no din she'yodzis beget. And we should say from a kol that yavama, that a get should work for yavama. That Rashi comes to address. Rashi in Dever Maschal, ma yavama she'ena yodzis beget. Rashi says, diyalfin in the kamon, ba'ipir, can we derive later on in this Chapter of Aisha Niknes and Afya Dalit, Ksiv law velo liyavama. There's a pasuk law, the kasev law sefer krisos that specifically a married lady is able to receive a get to dissolve the marriage, but yavama is not able to receive receive it. So this kol v'chomer can only go one direction based on this kzeras kasev. So that's the kol v'chomer. That's the basis creed of the Gemara. Now the three questions here. We're going to take these one at a time. The first question is the question of the Rashba. The Rashba asks, Who had din the Havimatsi the Meimer the Mute Kesef? Really, the Gemara could have asked that, How come we're not coming to exclude Kesef? Right? How come the Gemara is jumping to Chalitza? Maybe we should exclude Kesef. That giving Kesef is not a legitimate means of ending the marriage. Leimar, and that we would have said that, Why? That one, and they would have said that the same way. That how do we know that a divorce works? That and that I'm sorry that you can get married through a star through a document. So there's a hekish, there's a connection between Havaya Liatsia. That since you can get end the marriage, the Yitzias have marriage could end through a document. So so too the origination of the marriage could happen through a document. That the Gemara is the source that star kedushin works. So maybe I could say just the opposite. The same way that the Havaya, the marriage was started through Kesef. That same Hekish could teach me that the marriage ends through a Hekish. And that what? And that they could use Kesef to end the marriage as well. So says the Rashba, based off that Hekish, that would have been a viable way to say that we would think that you could end the marriage through Kesef. So how come the Gemara jumps to Chalitza? Said the Gemara, the Rashba says, So the Rashba says, granted, you're right. In actuality, in theory, that would be a legitimate way to explain why the Mishnah has to say a number. 
I, if it's a legitimate way, how come the Gemara didn't bring Kasif and jumped straight to Chalitza? The Rashba says a practical answer, because when it comes to Chalitza, we find that that was a, a means, that was a form of dissolving of a marital relationship in a different circumstance. So since it's already used, it's a form of Kenyan, which is already used in other situations, so the Gemara felt like it was a better way to express this Havamina to go straight to a form of Kenyan, which is already being utilized. So that's the first question. The first question is, how come we're jumping to Chalitza, we could use Kesef also, we could have thought that Kesef dissolved the marriage, based off the Hekesh of and says, you're actually right, just as preferable to use a form of Yetziah that we already have utilized in other circumstances. That's question number one. Now the Pnei Yeshua here asks another question. This question is a more difficult question. The Pnei Yeshua says a, a very clear distinction. When we discuss the relationship between a Yavam and Yavama before they did Yibum, right, when she's called Zokukali Yibum, that she's standing to get Yibum done to her, so if that lady was to go have relations, marital relations outside with someone besides her Yavam, so then that, that's prohibited with a lav. She get, she'll get malchus for that. It's not anything more severe than a lav. Whereas when it comes to get, when it comes to a married lady, so if she has relations outside of wedlock, so if she's caught with Adim, she's chayv misa. It's actually much, much more severe. So asks the Pnei Yeshua, I don't understand. How can the Gemara propose that we have a havamina, that chalitza works to dissolve a marriage, maybe chalitza only works to get rid of a less severe prohibition, for example, Yisrael Avin. But why would we think that chalitza would work to dissolve a connection that's punishable by Misa? That question he takes so seriously that he says Tzarechian. He doesn't have an answer to that question. And truth be told, I also don't have an answer to that question. That question seems to be, Lulay de the Gemara thought it was a good hava, Mina. I would, have, I would assume that Tapircha. That would be a disproof of the whole thing, but the Gemara seems to take this very seriously. I mean, it does. It thinks it's a real hava, Mina. The Pnei Yeshua is asking Abam Kashi here, and he, he doesn't have an answer. Tzarechian, I'm also saying Tzarechian. So make the Ta'ar on the Gemara. How could the Gemara ever propose that Chalitza is a valid form of ending a marriage, Chalitza only works by Yisori Laban. How do you know it works by Yisori Misa? That's question number two. Now question number three is brought up in the Shir of Shmuel of Shmuel Rozovsky. I want to say it in my own terminology. I brought you here as a Maramukam to see that other people are addressing it. I think this may be an easier way to digest the question. The question is as follows. We know that if a person's married and he doesn't want to remain married, there's a mitzvah deraisa of the Venosana Sefer Krisis, of a divorce. Divorce is a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah of divorce. Now, that being said, if there's someone who's neifuli yibum, there's a lady whose husband died, so there's a mitzvah deraisa of yibum. If she doesn't want to perform the mitzvah deraisa of yibum, there's a mitzvah deraisa of chalitza. Chalitza is a mitzvah. So now, I want to ask the question as follows How could it be that we can derive the performance of one mitzvah to another mitzvah, through a kavah The Torah said, you, you're married. You don't want to be married anymore. There's a mitzvah to perform. That mitzvah to perform is called gerishin. There's a get. Now, there's a separate case. The separate case is that if a person falls to yibum, so then, if there is... They, they don't want to perform Yibam, they don't want to get married, so there's a mitzvah to perform, it's called Chalitza. So, why would I think that I could extend the mitzvah of Chalitza to a circumstance where the mitzvah wasn't expressed? Anyone would have a Hava Amina that I could shake a Lulav and that would dissolve a marriage? No. Why? Because it's a totally separate mitzvah from divorce, right? There's no connection between the two. So similarly, there's no connection between Chalitza and Gerishin. Gerishin is a mitzvah that has to be performed in order to dissolve a marriage. Chalitza is a mitzvah that's performed in order to dissolve the potential for a Levite marriage. The two things are totally distinct from each other. In a circumstance where Yibum is applicable, marriage is not applicable. The whole thing doesn't start. So how could the Gemara at all propose that, that 
I could perform chalitza in a circumstance where get is necessary, the mitzvah of chalitza was only said by an afil of the yibum. It wasn't said by divorce. Pelaplayim, the, the mitzvah is at the end of the day. So how could we extend one to the other? So now in order to answer this, we have to, make, we have to clarify that I'm making an assumption. The assumption is that the mitzvah of Gerishin is giving a get. And the mitzvah of chalitza is putting on a shoe, right? Each one has, that is the, the nature of the mitzvah itself. Maybe we could propose, due to the fact that this Gemara is trying to extend one to the other, maybe we could propose that gerishin is a process of dissolving a marriage. And chalitza is the process of dissolving a nefila, the yibum, a potential yibum. Now, granted that in the Pasuk that tells us there's a concept called Gerashin, it tells us a means to do so. That means to do so is called giving a get, a divorce document, because of the Sefer Krisos. And when it comes to Chalitza, the Torah had us to do it, you put on a shul, so that's what it is. That is that's the mitzvah. So now that being said, what is that? That is the mitzvah itself. The giving of the get is the mitzvah itself. Or the giving of the get is a mechanism to dissolve a marriage. But the gerishin, the process, that's the mitzvah itself, is to do an action which is matir, your wife. Meaning to say, maybe, we know the Torah doesn't dictate for us that the mitzvah of gerishin is giving a get. Maybe the mitzvah of gerishin is dissolving the marriage through a halachic process. One way to do, and that halachic process necessitates something called a matir, something which is allowing her to be free to the any, anyone else. It's freeing her from the binds of marriage. So maybe one mechanism of being matir is called a get, and that was expressed by Gerishin. And there's another mechanism of a matir, and that's called chalitza, and that was expressed in the context of yibum. But who said they're mutually exclusive? It proposes our Gemara, maybe. I could, would have extended the matir of chalitza to even be true in a case of get. I wouldn't have done it the other way around in as much as I have a gezer sakasav. That Rashi quotes, law, a kasav law say for krisis, the get only works for a divorce, for a marriage. But maybe chalitza, which in and of itself is a separate matir, it's something which is allowing a lady to the shuk, that would be a matter that I could also use for the mitzvah of Gerishin. I could be megarish her through chalitza. Maybe that would be a viable havamina. That was the Gemara was assuming. To that the Gemara says, no, and the Mishnah says, There's only two ways that she can acquire her ishas to now go be a, permissible to marry someone else. That's either through get and misa sabal. So it would be coming the chiddush of the Gemara maybe is to say that don't view the Maisa of Nesina Seget is a Matir, and that was one means of allowing your wife and therefore performing the Mitzvah of Gerishin. Get's not a Matir, and therefore we can't extend the Chalitza to also be a Matir, but Get rather is something in- intrinsic, inherent to the Mitzvah of Gerishin itself. Maybe that's how we could propose to read the Gemara based off this question. So three Chidushim coming out. Theoretically, Havamina could have been Kesef also, there, the Rashba says there's a preference to, to chalitza in as much as there's a yitziyah b'makam acher. The Pnei Yeshua has a question that we're having, we're leaving difficult. That how could we have a havamina to derive chalitza to get? Chalitza only works to absolve you from a, a lav, but it doesn't absolve you from Isurei Misa. And the question number three is how could we derive one mitzvah? How could we extend one mitzvah to another mitzvah? And there we said a novel idea and what the concept of get and chalitza are the matirim as opposed to the process of the mitzvah itself. Alright, that's that stage of the Gemara. Pretty straightforward. Three questions, two answers, and vaitagagangin. So starts the next Gemara. Kesef minolon. How do we know that kesef is a viable means for kedushin? Now, if you're going to ask me my personal opinion, this probably is the worst question that the Gemara could have ever asked. And what, what, what do you mean, Kesef Benalon? Open up the Gemara, the Beizam and Aleph. The Gemara says, The Kesef Menolon. Kamer Kesef Menolon. 
We bring a Gzeirah Shavu on Daf Beinzam and Aleph when the Gemara asks Kesef Minalan. And we source Kenyan Kesef already. If that wasn't enough, the Gemara on Daf Gimalam and Aleph brings the same exact Gzeirah Shavu, Kicha Kicha, Mistei Efren. And it's clear again that there's a concept called, called Kenyan Kesef. So comes along the Gemara and wakes up on Daf Gimalam and Beis. Kesef Minalan. What do you mean Kesef Minalan? You asked that question already in Nav Beizam and Aleph explicitly. And there you said, You reiterated that and Aleph. And now, Gimel and Beiz, wake up. Oh, Kesef and Alan. How do we know Kesef works? I tell you how we know Kesef works. You told, me, you told me the source twice already. You asked the question once already. You told me the source twice. What's the Gemara doing? We're absolutely grot. It's wild. The Gemara asked such a question. So Rashi, obviously Rashi. Rashi is the biggest London in the world. So Rashi was aware of this, and Rashi in Deramaschal Bekesef Menalan, Hocha Iker, says Rashi should know that this is really where the Gemara means to source it. This is the main place. Ule'el, and that which we said earlier on, Dav Beizam and Aleph, Agav Gororo Noketlei, really, it just got schlepped in, it got dragged in, the Terutse Loshen Kinyin Demasnissen, in order to explain the language of Kinyin in our Mishnah. What does that mean? Really, this is where the Gemara means to ask it before it was coming to explain a language. Unclear. Let's revisit Rashi. Let's revisit the Gemara. The Gemara over there says, Ha'isha Niknes, Ma'isha Nahochid, Detani Isha Niknes, Ma'isha Nahosim, Detani Isha Mekadish. And the Gemara says, Mishum del Kaboyi, the Misne Kesef. We want to teach Kesef. Now, this is a long time ago already, but already back in Shir, the first year we had on Kedushin, we said the principle, the Yisrael, the premise, of Kedushin, is that it's an acquisition, it's a Kenyan. And I don't think it's a special romantic form of Kenyan, don't think you're creating a Surim. This is the same way you purchase any commodity, you purchase exclusive rights. It's in normal business dealings. Now, that has results, obviously, it creates a Surim, and the reason you're making this is because we're romantic, etc., fine, all that, understood. But what is the mechanism itself? The mechanism as if you're buying something in Target, you're being Mikadash, your wife, it's a Kenyan. That's Kedushin. That's what the Gemara means, right? You could ask, so why did it say Kenyan, Heisha Niknes, Dekabay the Misne Kesef? And why is the Gemara interested in teaching Kesef? The answer is the Gemara is not interested in teaching Kesef. The Gemara is interested in teaching you that we're talking about normative business practice. Now that the Gemara did that, says Rashi, Mishum Dekabay the Misne Kesef, Within these kinyanim of the Mishnah, and we say later on, Kesef Menolan de Niknas Bay, how do we know that they're acquired? There we derive Xer Shava, Kicha Kicha from Stay Afron, that's called the Kinyan, and therefore Hilkoch Tani Kinyan. Therefore it talks Kinyan. So already the Rashi is alluding to the fact that this whole statement of Mishum de Kaboy the Mishnei Kesef is really a means of expressing one thing. The Gemara is coming to explain the language of Niknis of the Mishnah. Now, Rashi continues, Ah, the Gemara says Kesef Menolan. That sounds very, very much like we're sourcing the idea, the premise of Kinin Kesef. Says Rashi, Lav Hocha Kaboylo. This is not where we're asking the source. Rather, the Gemara answered later on, Here, the Gemara is saying one big statement. There's one big connected statement, a run-on sentence. Why is it doing that? Because the Mishnah wants to teach Kesef. And now, Kesef Menolan. How do we know there's a concept called Kesef? That works for Kedushin. There we have Xer Shava. And that's Lashin Kinyinhu. The Kicha is Lashin Kinyinhu. Hilkoch. And therefore, Tani Isha Niknes. So, according to Rashi, we're not interested in sourcing Kinyin right now. We're not interested, I'm sorry, in sourcing Kesef right now. What are we interested in? We're interested in explaining the language of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Isha Niknes. What's Kinyin? What's a Kinyin? So what do we do? We have to bridge, conceptually, we have a puzzle, ki kach ish isha. That's a puzzle for Kedushin. What kicha mean, ki kach ish isha? 
So when we want to know what kicha means, so the Gemara quotes another place that we have the word kicha, and there it's talking about stay Ephron, and there that's called kesef, and we can also use kesef. We know we can use kesef, that's brought in the Mishnah. Therefore, we have a kicha of kesef by stay Ephron, and that's called a kinyan. So therefore, we use in the language of our Mishnah kinyan. Now, are we interested in the Gzera Shava because of the content that it's teaching us? Absolutely not. Right now, we're not interested in what the Gzera Shava is teaching me. Right now, all we're interested is that the Gzera Shava created a connection between a Kicha and another Kicha. Now that I have a connection between two Kichas, so that means I have a frame of reference to explain what the language of Kicha of Kedusha means, and that means Kinyan. So if you want to ask on Gimel Amad Beis, when Rashi says, Bekesef Menolan Hoche Iker, really on Gimel Amad Beis, that's what we're asking Kesef Menolan. Vila'il, aye, but the Gemara asked Kesef Menolan already in that Beis Amad Aleph. Agav Grodo Nokatli. That got just stepped in. Why did it get stepped in? Why do we bring that in? Because it was just a segue, it was creating a bridge to explain the language of Kinyan and Mishnah and abridged the, the Kicha of Kedushin to the Kicha of Steyefron. But it wasn't coming along to ask that question. So, that's number one. That's what we do with the Kicha on Bezam and Aleph. The Kesef on Bezam and Aleph. Aye, we bring Kicha, Kicha on Gimel and Aleph. So again, why do we bring Kicha, Kicha? We don't bring Kicha, Kicha to go ahead and explain to you the source of Kinyin Kesef. We bring Kicha, Kicha because we want to know when it says Kikach Ish Isha, what type of kinyanim are included? What type of kinyanim will be transformed, transferred to kinyana ishas? So as a machlokas, Rashi Tesis, like we talked about last week, fine. But what point are we coming to address? We're coming to address. Why does it say shalosh in the Mishnah? So actually, the Gemara is, is, is beautiful. The Gemara comes along and is addressing the Mishnah step by step. Ha'isha niknis. Why is it called niknis? Where's the kinyan? That's Be'ezam and Aleph. B'shalosh. Why B'shalosh? We know there's more than Shalosh. We know there's maybe four, maybe five, of Huna, the whole thing. says, no, no, there's three. There's three. The Gezerah Shavu was brought to explain to you why you might think there's four. I don't care about what the Gezerah comes, comes come to teach me. I care that it's not four, that it's three. Why could I have thought four? Because the Gezerah Shavu, fine. Then, after we go ahead and determine, oh, B'shtei Drachim, that we address also on top of Gemel Abbeis. Now that we explain those steps in the Gemara, continues the Mishnah of Niknas Bekesef. Oh, Niknas Bekesef! Kesef Menolon. Kesef Menolon, that's our Gemara. Gishmak. So now that we, now we open that up, let's see the Gemara Nachamal. Let's see it again. Bekesef Menolon. How do I know that you can acquire your wife with Kesef? Visu, and furthermore, Haditnan, that which we're taught in the Mishnah in Ksuvis, Hav Zakei Bebitei. A father has rights, privileges to his daughter, Bekudesha. With a kedushin, bekesef b'shtar rabia, whether it be a kedushin kesef, kedushin shtar, kedushin rabia, manolan de mekani bekesef, bekesef davuahu. How do we know that the father can be mekadasher with kesef, and the kesef that is accepted for the kedushin, that kesef belongs to the father? So we're asking here, says Rashi, we're asking here two things: manolan hanachtati. How do we know both of them? First of all, de mekani bekesef that she's acquired through money, diktani, like it was taught. In our Mishnah. And how do we know that the father is the one who merits it? Like we saw over there in Ksubis. We want to know both of those questions. So, that the Gemara says as follows. Amr of Yehuda Merav. Yehuda Merav says like this. It says in the Pasuk, She goes out free. There's no Kesef. Now this Pasuk, Rashi teaches us, is talking about an Ame Ivriya. An Ame Ivriya is a girl who sold as an indentured servant before she becomes an Ira. That she goes out of the premises, the auspices of her master once she starts puberty. Now, the Gemara is bothered. Be'etzem, really, theoretically, the Torah could have written V'yotza Chinam. Why does the Gemara, why does the, I'm sorry, the Chumash go ahead and say V'yotza Chinam, she goes out for free, Ein Kosef. There's no money. It's redundant. If she goes out for free, we know there's no money. So therefore, explains the Gemara as follows. It's meant for a drasha. What's the drasha teach me? Ein kasef There's no money for this Adon, for this master, the Haino. Meaning to say, the master, the guy who is in charge of her, as an indentured servant. 
אבל יש כסף לאדון אחר. But in a different time, where this girl is leaving the domain of her master, and under those premises, that other circumstance where she leaves the domain of her master, then there is kesef. Uman nihu. And who is that person that accepts the kesef when she leaves his domain? The av. The father. So comes along the Gemara and says, I can source for you both the fact that this kesef kedushin, and secondly, that the kedushin goes to the father. How? Because the Torah says, in regards to Naman Ivriya, when she goes out, early from the dominion of her master because she started puberty. So what's the din? It says, she goes out for free in Kosef. Why is it redundant? Why does it say there's no money? To teach you that in other circumstances she leaves her master's domain, there is money. What's that master she's leaving? She's leaving her father. So when she leaves her father's domain because she's getting married, number one, that happens through Kesef. And secondly, that Kesef goes to her master, goes to her father. That's what the, the, the Chumash is coming to teach me through the redundancy. That being said, I now have a source for Kedushe Kesef, and the Kesef goes to a father. So now, before we go on to the next stage of the Gemara, let's go back, let's backtrack. The Mishnah in Ksubis says, Ha'av Zakei Bebito. The father has rights to his daughter. Now, what's it mean, Zakei Bebito? He has rights? What's it mean he has rights? So, it's like this. Says Rashi, Zakai Babito, Shakasif Yashalai. The money is his. Meaning to say that if he's Makadasha with Kasif, he keeps the money. As well as the fact that if the husband is Makadash, this girl with a star, the father is the one who's accepting the star in her behalf. Third, and thirdly, that he can send her. He can say, you know what, my beloved daughter, I'm sending you to go have marital relations with this man, even if you're not excited about it, because I'm in control of your condition, and I'm telling you that so you should marry. That are three things which are under the auspices of the father. Now, it's very, very clear that, at least from the case of Shtar and Kedushin, that this schus this ability for the father to makadash her has actually nothing to do, it's not a monetary schus, it's not a monetary privilege. Usually, you know, you're something, you're zeiche from hefker. If something's not ownerless, and something is ownerless, you can be zeiche in it, you can acquire it. Right? You can make an acquisition for a person when he's not in front of him because it's something which is beneficial for him. That's usually what zechia means. It's an acquisition. Here, for sure, when it comes to Shtar and Bia, there's no monetary gain. And therefore, I would venture to even say that Kesef, even though Kesef definitionally is a monetary gain, that's not the crux of what he's meriting. So what is it then that the father has in his daughter that would allow him that the mission is calling this a schus? Now, I also brought for you, I also brought for you the... Mishnah in Ksubis itself. The Mishnah in Ksubis says as follows. This is source 7 on the source sheet. Says Rashi. Says the Mishnah, I'm sorry. Whether it be with Kesef, Shtar, and Bia. He gets his daughter's Metzias. If she finds anything that was lost. If she has a paycheck, she gets the paycheck. He can annul her vows. And he can also accept a get for her if she was only in a rusa, in a katana. So the father can accept the get on her behalf. So Rashi says as follows. He keeps the kesef kedushin like Rashi by us. If he accepts a shtar irusin on her behalf, it works. So again, like Rashi, that there's no monetary gain. The whole concept here is that he can accept a star on her behalf. Again, the beer Rasha in the Maestra, the beer Lashim Kedushin. He can send her off to have marital relations to go ahead and create that marriage. Now comes along Rashi and continues. In the Kabbalist Gita, he accepts her get. If she gets divorced from Erison before Nesuin, the Kedim Shebagra. Right? But before she becomes a Bulgaris also, of a Bagra, if she becomes a Bulgaris, she's already 12 and a half, 13 years old, or she gets married again, 
Or she goes to Nisuin, he doesn't have any Rishusin. Meaning to say that what does a yes have? It was Niskar Shemina Erisin. He has Rishuspa. Now, this is the Mafteach. This is going to be our key. This is opening it up. So, what's it mean? What am I Zeichein? What do I have? The father, if it's not a monetary privilege. So, I think this is a huge proof to everything we're saying up until now. What is Kedushin? Kedushin is. The giving over the sale of exclusive rights to intimacy with this girl. I'm going to claim as such. What's the Av Zakai in? The Av Zakai, he's the owner of those exclusive rights. So that means that when a girl is a Katana, a Naira, so who is the owner of those exclusive rights to intimacy? It's not the girl, it's her father. So he's Zeche in them. What's that mean? He's Zakai Bebito. Yizakai Bebito, meaning to say that he's the owner, he's a schus, he's the owner of those exclusive rights. Now, obviously, he can't use them for himself. But he can use them as a commodity to give over to somebody else. That's Avzakai. And therefore, if he has this commodity, he sells it, obviously, the kasef is his. If he wants to sell it to a shtar, so then obviously, he's the one who accepts the shtar. And so, too, if he wants to give that over... He can give over those exclusive rights in the form of Bia. And that's what Rashi means. That what's it? Rishuspa. It's something that he has the rights to, the, 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 the access to. Those exclusive rights. So in the world of Rashi, what's Zakai Bebito? Zakai Bebito means that the father is the owner of those exclusive rights to intimacy, which the daughter has. And she tells Rashi, and this is a massive, massive support to our initial approach to understanding of the Mishnah. Comes along to his and says as follows. Have Zakai Bebitei, Mefarish Birushalmi. It's explicit in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Shiyeshle Schus Bebia, that he has a merit when it comes to Bia. Shenosten lo Schar Lekanish Bebia. That people give him money to acquire his daughter through his daughter through Bia. Now, what in the world does this mean? What's, what's itching Tisvis that he has to come along and bring Yerushalmi? So it seems very, very clear to me that Tisus is bothered by a question. We started off saying as follows, that schus really means that you have a monetary gain. Yezeche in a metziah, yezeche in hefker. Zochem alonim shleibifonov. That zochah is always that there's a monetary gain. Where's the monetary gain? In the fact that he's mercy of the bia. So says, says Tisus, what's the monetary gain? That people give him money. That people give him money. Now, what happened? Why is Tosis jumping to Bia? What about Kesef Shtar? So, comes along. Let's look, let's look at the source sheet together. Adarabha. Let's look at this Yushalmi. And let's see how the commentaries address this Yushalmi. So, Yushalmi brought to you is in source 11. So, first of all, the Gemara quotes the Mishnah. is the Yushalmi in Ksuvas. Quotes the same Mishnah we saw already. The Gemara says as follows. Nicha be Kesef that we understand that when it comes to Kesev and Shtar of Zakai, then we understand how the father has a monetary gain. But Bibiya, what happens? How does the father have a monetary gain when it comes to Bia? Tepater, you can explain it. When you acquire for me your daughter with Bia, you'll have this money. Now, what's that mean? So now, comes along the carbon Ada and the Pnei Meisha, they both say the same exact thing. That Bishlama, when it comes to Kesef, the father accepts the Kesef, he gets the money for himself and he has monetary gain. Va'af Bishtar, and even when it comes to Shar, Shaykh Zchia, it's relevant, the language of Zchia, of acquisition, to put on top of his cup, meaning to say, you have a container, you need a lid, so besides for the fact that you have a written document, you can use the paper of the document and you can put it on top of your cup and that becomes the lid for your cup. That's a monetary gain. But what's the problem? The Pneumatia the, the says the same thing. What's the schus by Bia? So this is Unbelievable. According to this Yerushalmi, the Gemara is very much bothered that we need that there's a monetary gain 
that's coming through the actual Mesa Kedushin itself. So let's go back. Let's see Tisvis. What does Tisvis say? There's money in Bia. How? He gives them money to be Makadish with Bia. Now let's try to understand this, what this means. He gives them money in order to be Makadish with Bia. So now, really, really, any time that I have the jurisdiction to decide whether an event can take place, so that means that I can make that conditional. For example, if I were to say, you know what? You want to use my car. I'm happy to lend you my car, no problem. But it, I'm only giving you permission to use my car if you give me $100 first. So I'm making the usage of my car conditional on the fact that you give me $100. Is that what Tisa is coming to say? My assumption is that can't be. It can't be that I'm allowing, I'm going to be most of my daughter for Kedush Bia if you give me $100. Why not? Because then, then there's nothing unique being expressed here. The Yishomi didn't say anything. All the Yishomi is saying is that you're in charge of the chalos, you're in charge of this change of status. So since you're in charge of the change of status, you could stipulate that, you know, they have to give you money for it. I don't need to Yishomi for that. You don't have to quote me the Yishomi. You could, you could just say, the father has the right to stipulate whatever he wants in order for this to happen. Why does Tisus need to quote Yishomi? So in order to understand this, I want to ask, let's go back. What does it mean to make a condition? Yeah, every time a person makes a stipulation in any change of status, in any sale, etc., what does that mean? So, the first way I would approach that is that it's called a Maisa al-Hatzat. It's a conditional action. So, what would be an example of a conditional action? I'm selling you my car on the condition that it rains this coming Tuesday. So what does that mean? That would mean that I have in mind, there's a das makne, I only have in mind to sell it to you when there's a rain on Tuesday. But if it doesn't rain on Tuesday, then I'm lacking a das makne. I don't have the intent to sell it to you. So my intent is to sell it is only under certain conditions. And therefore it's a limited intent to sell. It's a conditional intent to sell. My intent to sell was qualified based on my condition. That's one way to approach it. Now, I could explain that conditions work on a totally different way. Maybe I could say that I have intent to sell it to you, and that intent is through and through. I want to sell you my car. Now, how come that change didn't take effect right away? Because I put something to prevent that change of effect. There's something that's putting that change on hold. So if you could imagine, you know, it's essentially, and to give you a muscle, it's like I hit the, the button for the lever to fall, for the, for the guillotine to fall, and there's something external that's preventing the guillotine from dropping. There's something preventing the change from happening, even though all the ingredients are here. That prevention is called a tenai, it's called a condition. Now, what happens when that condition is filled? The preventative measure falls away, and now the action can take, the change of event can take effect. And if that preventative, if that condition is never filled, that preventative measure is still intact, and therefore, that disallows the change of effect to take place. That would be a second way to explain what a condition is. What's the practical difference between the two? The practical difference between the two is as follows. What happens if I sell my car on the condition that it rains on Tuesday, and then I sold it to you on Thursday, on the condition it's going to rain the following Tuesday, and on Friday I say, you know what? You know what? Forget about it. I just want you to have the car even if it doesn't rain. I forgo on that condition. So now let's do the math. According to the first approach, my, I had a qualified, a limited intent to sale. My initial intent of sale was only if it rains the following Tuesday. I never had intent of sale if it didn't rain on Tuesday. 
And therefore, I can't forego in that condition. If I want to forego in that condition, I have to do a whole other sale. Whereas if we say the second approach, that really my intent wasn't limited whatsoever. I had complete intent to sale. Just I introduced something to the formula that could prevent that change of, the change of ownership to take effect. So once I take out that foreign entity, which was preventing the change of ownership to take effect, I removed it vis-a-vis my mechila, my absolving of that condition. So then, automatically, the change of the sale takes place. Boom. The moment I say forego in that condition, it's sold already without me introducing anything differently. Right? Those are two approaches to how to go ahead and explain what my intent was when I make a condition and the practical difference between them. So now, how do we know which way it works? So I'll tell you, there's a Mishnah. The Mishnah is in Kedushin. What happens if a person says, I'll marry you on condition that my father is approve, approves of the marriage. A valid condition, it works. You have to go, bring the kala, he'll meet your fa- she'll meet your father, mazel tov. If he likes her, he doesn't like her, all right, sorry, sweetie. What happens if on the trip, you and the kala are traveling, and Nebuch, the chassan's father, dies? The chassan's father dies. So even though he was mekadosh or conditionally that the father likes her, now the father dies. Says the Mishnah, she's Mekudashas. She's married already. So now if the understanding of, of Tanayim, of conditions, is like the first way, that he only had intent to marry her, if her father liked her, so her father never liked her, and there's only limited intent in the Maisa Kedushin, so how in the world could they be married? Elamai, it must be, that the understanding of Tanai of conditions like the second approach, that really, in regards to his das to be Mekadashir, his intent to be Mekadashir, that was full throttle. He introduced something which could block that. He introduced an idea that even though I intended to marry you f- through and through, I, I introduced something, a preventative measure. That my father liking you is going to prevent that. Unless he likes you, it's not going to go through. Uh, my father's out of the picture. He passed away. Boom, married. So the Mishnah is a proof that the understanding of conditions is like the second side, it's like the second approach. So now that we have this idea, so what's that, what's that relevant to Tosfus? So I want to claim that in the world of Tosfus, in the world of Yushalmi, what they're introducing is that the father mandating money is like the first approach of Tanayim. It's not something which is external to the chalus, the change of ownership. But that the father, what's it mean, Zakai Bebitel Bekdusha through Bia? It means that he can make part and parcel of the Maisa Kedushin the fact that he's getting money for it. It's not something which is external to it. And that without him receiving the pre stipulated money, you're lacking in the entirety of the Kedusha Bia. Not because the, the money is what's creating the Kedushin, the Bia is what's facilitating the transfer of the ownership of exclusive rights. But since the father is Zachai Bebito, and that, and that means, and that mode of transferring rights, he could extend within that mode of transfer the fact that he's getting money for it also. So without that payment, you have nothing. It's not something which is foregoable. It's an inherent part of the Maisei Kedushin. That being said, he doesn't have to, obviously. He could say that the, just do the Bia itself. But if he wants to, comes along to and says that's why his language of Zachai is, is a valid language. Because he can alter through his stipulation what are the necessary ingredients in order for this Kedush Ebiyah to take effect. That would be my proposition to explain the stance here of Tisvis. Alright, so now that we got this far, let's finish up this leg of the Gemara. The Gemara just print, went ahead and proved to you that... We have a source for Kedusha Kasef. In Kasef Ladon Zeh, V'yot Zachinam, In Kasef Ladon Zeh, Yish Kasef Ladon Acher, Maniu Av. Proposal of the Gemara, Maybe we should say it's hers. Now what's that mean, Eimel Adidah? Says Rashi, V'eimel Adidah ha'vihai Kasef, that the Kasef should be hers. Meaning, according to Rashi, the Gemara is not proposing that the father shouldn't be the one to marry her off. The father should still be the one to marry her off. The only difference is,
is that the girl should get the money. Why would we think that? It doesn't say that we should derive that it's the man, the master that should get the money. Really, this is how you should read it. There's no money in this Yitziah. But there is Kesef in a different Yitziah, and the Yitziah from the auspices of the father. And really, I tell you, that money always is going to belong to her. So that means that according to Rashi, the Gemara is proposing that the father should marry her off, even though the girl, even though the girl should what? She's the one that should get the kesef. Now, what's the explanation here? Now, my assumption is as follows. Normatively speaking, we would assume that the person who owns the commodity for sale is the one who decides where it goes. So if the father decides where it goes, that means he owns the commodity, and therefore if the commodity is sold, he should get it. He should get the money. So if the girl is the one who's getting the money, my assumption is that she's the owner of this commodity, meaning to say she owns her own exclusive rights. And therefore, when they're sold, she's the one that gets the money. Ah, if that's true. So how come the father is the one deciding who to marry her off to? So I'm going to give you an example. There's something called Tevas Hano. Tevas Hano means, let's say, for example, I own Truma. Whether it's ownable is a different discussion. Let's say I have Truma. I have truma. Truma is a type of produce which goes specifically to a coin. According to Tesvis and Bava Matsya and Davava Mabez, Tesis says that truma is something called Maman Hashavit. It's a Maman that belongs to the Kahuna already. I, I the person, the farmer has a mitzvah of Nasina, he has to give the money, the truma I'm sorry, to a Kohen. So how could it be that he has a mitzvah to give it to the Kohen? If in the, from the onset, once he separates the truma, it already belongs to the Kohen. This is the concept of Tevis Hano. The, the person, the farmer, has the privilege, he has the schus, to decide which Kohen is going to get it. So his ability to decide who's going to get this truma, even if the truma doesn't belong to him, it belongs to the entirety of the, the Kohanim, that ability to decide who he gets to is something called Tevis Hano. Now, we have another example of this. Bukhor, a person owns a donkey, a person owns a cow, and they give birth to a Bukhor. That Bukhor belongs to the Kahuna. But the Kohen can't come along and take it. He has to wait for the farmer to go ahead and give it to him. That ability to decide who it goes to, also another example of something called Tevisano. So I would propose here that maybe the Gemara is assuming that Emil means that even though the father doesn't own these rights, obviously he doesn't own the rights, they're her rights to exclusivity. She owns those rights. But proposes the Gemara, the Emil maybe the money goes to her. The rights are hers, but the father can elect, he can decide who gets the privilege of marrying her. So we're going to make this distinction. The same way there's a concept of Tevis that a farmer can decide who the truma goes to even though the monetary owner of the truma is already the Kohanim. That has a value to it. That's a Tevis So so too, when it comes to marrying off your daughter, the father has the Tevis He can choose who she marries. But the Kedas of Kedushin maybe is hers. That's what the Gemara proposes. Says the Gemara, Hachi Hashta, slow down. You took it too far. Avia Mikabel Kedushel, the father accepts the Kedushin, Dixiv. And how do we know that? Esbiti Nesanti the Ishazah, the Pasuk says that he gave my daughter to this man. I gave my daughter to this man. Vi'i Shakla Kaspa? And she can get the money? How could it be that I have the rights to give her over to this man? And she accepts the money. Says Rashi, It's astonishing. Is it possible that he got the privileges of accepting her Kedushan for nothing? Meaning to say without ownership. Now how do we understand what changed here? I understand as follows. 
that this whole concept of Tivis where do we see it expressed? By Truma, by Bechor, by something which already has an owner. This is not something which is viable to sell. This is not a commodity which is for sale. There's an owner here already. It's up to me, to me, the farmer, to reveal, so, okay, it's already owned by the kahuna, but which coins can have the privileges to it? That is only something which is a viable explanation. I can only say this concept when I have a contradiction. On one hand, it belongs to the kahuna. On the other hand, the Torah says, I, the farmer, give it to the kohen. How do those two things exist? A new concept, a chiddish. But if I have something which is a beating atati that I gave my daughter to this man, I gave something to this man, whichever man I choose, it's an ownable commodity. It's something which has viable ownership over it to anyone I elect. So then the Svara of Tevis Anna doesn't apply. Tevis Anna only applies to something which I can't own and yet I still have to give it over. But here is something I can own. If it's something I can own and I have it, so then it's illogical claims the Gemara that the concept of Tevis Anna applies. If it's something which can be owned and I can determine where it goes, it must be because I'm the full throttle owner. I'm the full throttle owner? Oh, if I'm the full throttle owner, then I'm the one that gets to keep the Kedushin. I'm the one that gets to keep the Kesef. So the Gemari has switched. The Kiddush was that in the in Havamina, we thought that the concept of Tivis Anol could apply across the board. And the answer, the Gemara is saying, no, Tivis Anol is only a concept by something which doesn't pass ownership. It's not viable ownership with it. If it's not viable ownership and you can determine where it goes, then there's something called Tevis But if it's viable ownership and you determine where it goes, it must be because you're the owner. Tevis doesn't apply in that case. Therefore, it must be that the father has the exclusive rights in full throttle. They're totally his. That being said, there's no email that he does. The money goes to the father. Okay, very gishmak. That's it for today. Amir Tashem will pick up next week. The Gemara is going to challenge this whole assumption, and Amir Tashem will have a, a good time understanding the different challenges, the different approaches of deriving. How do we know that the father has rights, etc., etc. So Amir Tashem, looking forward.